Hi, this is Chris Stewart from Oasis Church in Athens, Ohio. Please reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email at oasisathens at gmail.com. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, we want to continue to serve and minister to the needs of our community. May God bless you today, and we hope you enjoy this message from Oasis Church in Athens, Ohio. What we're going to do today is this. We're actually going to jump ahead to commandment number five. We're on, we've been, if, you, if you're just joining us for the first time in a few weeks or for the first time ever, we have begun a study um, three weeks ago on the Ten Commandments. And I, and, I, and I said a few weeks ago that I don't think that I have ever preached an entire series of messages on the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20, from the, the very first laws that God, uh, that God gave his people to live by that are still relevant, obviously, for us today. And, and so we've decided to kind of jump in and, um, and spend some time, basically 10 weeks, in those Ten Commandments. And today we are going to jump ahead, just one, and I, and I think this is going to be okay, Commandment number four is remember the Sabbath. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go backwards and go back to remember the Sabbath next week. And today, because it is Father's Day, I thought it would be okay to jump out of order for just for this occasion. And so, uh, and so we're, going to, we're going to do commandment number five today, which is honor your father and mother. And so what I'd like for you to do to begin is this. If you don't mind, and I'm not going to be able to see you to tell if, if you're actually doing this, is I'd like for you to close your eyes, if you would. Just close your eyes for a second. And I want you to picture the face of your mother in your mind right now. Picture the face of your mother. And then I want you to hear these words. Honor your mother. Now, with your eyes continue to be closed, picture the face of your father. If, if you know him... Obviously, if you know who your father is and who your mother is, and then consider these words, honor your father. Now, in your mind's eye, if you have children, if you're a parent, see the face of each of your children and then ask yourself this question. Do they honor me? Okay, you can open your eyes. <laughs> Do you feel, in, in, in just pausing for a moment and, and, and doing that little exercise, do you feel the complexity of what I might be up against today in teaching the Ten Commandments and this, this commandment to honor your father and mother? Because, you know, I, I'll say this, you know, as a, as a pastor and as someone who grew up in church, I, I know that, that, that two of the hardest days for a lot of people are Mother's Day and Father's Day. In fact, I knew a lot of people who used to just skip church on Mother's Day because it was so painful. And, and I know that some, for some of you, when you close your eyes, the thought of your mother's face or your father's face, when it comes to mind, for some of you, you smile when you see, when you see those faces. And when I ask you to consider what it means to honor them, for you, that's fairly easy. And I'll say for me, that's really easy to do because it's been easy to honor my father over the course of my life. It's been easy to honor my mother over the course of my life. They love Jesus. They love me. We've had a great relationship. And so I'm blessed in that sense. I understand that for others of you, that's a devastating exercise, you know, and, and concerning, you know, maybe uh, as you think about your children, maybe you're very encouraged in that. 
But maybe for some of you, as you think about your children, you're a little concerned when you think about that. I don't know if they honor me or not. And so today what I want to do is I want to I deal with this really great commandment. And it is a great commandment in Exodus chapter 20, and it's going to be verse 12. And it's actually just one verse. It's one simple verse, and it begins with, honor your father and mother. And it's interesting because there's no fine print here. There is no fine print. There's no, there's no footnotes or anything that tells us to go down and look at, 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 you know, at exceptions, right? Like when you look at a rule book, sometimes if you look at the baseball rule book, you'll see the rule and then how the rule is interpreted and how the rule is, is to be um, uh, um, uh, uh, approached or, or carried out. And then you'll actually have, based on the way the game has been played, exception number one, exception number two, exception number three. Well, there are no exceptions under this law. It just says, honor your father and mother. There is no fine print. And, and so what we have to do is, because there's no exception clauses for any, for those of us who have, those of you who may have had horrific experiences at the hand of your parents, we've got to figure out how to do this. Because it, it doesn't, it doesn't. You're not exempt from it. You're not exempt. No one is exempt from this from this law to honor your father and mother. And so we got. I understand that there's a lot of complexity, and there's a lot of resistance when this kind of teaching is is brought to you, um, to, to many of you, I should say. And so I just want to state that up front. Uh, I want to state it early. I know it's not for everyone. I know it might be for some of you that are watching and maybe for a lot of you that are watching. I don't know. I don't know your, your story or your experience. And so what I'd like to ask you to do over the next few minutes here is I would just like to ask you to, to maybe trust me today, if you would. Um, you may not know me very well. And so asking you to do that may not be, be easy either. But if you know me, this is a great opportunity that I have today to actually kind of be in a position of a spiritual father. I mean, that's the position that someone who brings the word of God to you has, and it's a really great and honorable position, but it's also a fearful one, but it's a position that I don't take lightly. And I want you to know that. And, and, and it's, and it's something that as you know, I picture in my mind, like, for example, when, when both of my kids were really, when we were really young and we'd go out for a walk, for example, you know, if they were ever uncertain of where we were going, they would, they would trust me because I'm their father, right? They'd come alongside me and they'd take hold of my hand and, and, and they would just be okay with walking and just trust I wasn't going to lead them into danger. And so I'm asking you, I guess in a way, in that sense, to maybe just take my hand and trust me today. And I want you to walk with me to a place that maybe you're a little bit afraid of. Maybe you wouldn't go there unless I took you there. Maybe this would be a verse that you would prefer to skip, right? And, and, and the reason why, I understand, is because it can be painful. But know this, because it's painful, it's incredibly important. You know, what makes me think that, you know, I think that things are even more complicated in teaching this today and teaching anything about parenthood today is because we have a lot of cultural variables that have come into, into our world today that, that have that have that have separated sex from marriage, for example. And, and so through, through that, all of a sudden what has happened is God has given us this incredible relationship between husband and wife that is a sexual relationship meant to continue to, to, to be fruitful and multiply in this, in this world and raise families. What has happened is we have for many years now separated those two things and, without, and, and people engage in these acts without any thought of marriage whatsoever. And so what happens is many of you came into this world with parents who didn't originally want you. 
They didn't love you. They didn't serve you. They didn't care for you. And they didn't cherish you because you may have been an accident. And, and, that, and that, that has brought into play this feelings that we have about our parents. And I get that. And then there's this whole parenting philosophy that has brought to, that comes out of Freudian psychology that basically says that separation from your parents is a good thing. And it's, and it's just not, it's, it's, that's a, that's a, a, a it's an abomination to, 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 to think that. And then out of that comes an entire industry of products and goods and services that, that, that are pushed toward teens and preteens and young adults, and then extends adolescence up, um, you know, to, you know, ages into your twenties, you know, where you're not intended to be an adolescent in college. If you're a college age student, you're not a child anymore, but that's what, that's the kind of culture that we've built. And we live for us and we, and we, they, you know, we go and live separately from our parents, but we're, but we're told by our culture that you're supposed to still be a child. And so we don't know how to do that. We're separated from them emotionally and physically and spiritually. And so we make bad decisions and we harm our lives. And it just is a whole gunked up system that we live in and you know then of course because we we live in a sinful world this culture of rebellion comes up and you know i when we talked about the second commandment we talked going back to the first and second commandments you know one of the things i said when we talked about the second commandment where we said no idols that you know we were to have no idols no other gods um but but the one god who is our creator i mentioned that if you idolize something you'll actually demonize it eventually you'll you'll, you'll come to hate it eventually and i think what has happened is is this whole issue of youth culture we've idolized youth culture so much and in doing so you know and at the same time on the other side of that we've demonized old age and everyone wants to remain as young as possible all the time and and we demonize we we think old age is horrible right and and so what happens is we idolize rebellion and as a result we demonize honor we demonize honor think about that in our culture today when you're asked to honor something or honor somebody it's actually demonized. We don't, we don't, we, we, we hate it. We hate that thought, don't we? And so when you read or you hear someone say, honor your father and mother, some people, their first thought is, they got to earn my honor. I, I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about that today. I want to, I want to, I want to challenge you on that thought today. You know, we're born into a world of rebellion. And, and as we live in this world of rebellion, we act like a bunch of orphans. And then God comes along and he says, he gives us this word to honor motherhood, honor fatherhood. You see, the first, the first four commandments, and we haven't, as I mentioned, we haven't talked about the fourth one yet, which is remember the Sabbath, but the first four commandments are about our relationship with God. And that's how God establishes these 10 commandments. There's one God, you worship him alone, and our worship of him begins with how we speak of him. Do not take his name in vain, and we remember him every, on, a, on a regular basis. Remember to rest and worship him, which is what we're going to look at next week. But then the fifth one starts, comes in. That's what we're talking about today. The fifth commandment of the 10 commandments is where it transitions from God to neighbor. You see, the first priority in this, in this looking around us now is our family. You know, Jesus comes along and they ask him, what are the greatest commandments? What's the greatest of all the commandments? And what's Jesus say? He sums it up, to love God and love people. So the first four commandments are about loving and serving God. 
And as a result of God's love for you and and you loving God back, then commandments five through 10 are about neighbor and starting, and it starts with your parents. And here's the big idea, I think. I really think, I, I really do, I'm, I, I'm beginning to really believe, and I never really considered this before, that these 10 commandments are progressions. It's, it begins with the most important and it works its way out to everything else. And I really believe that, that as we get into these horizontal commandments uh, to love your neighbor, I think that strategically it begins with your parents for this reason. I think that if you can love your parents, you could love everybody, anybody. If you can forgive your parents, you could forgive anybody. All right, all right, so we ready? Here we go. Why, why do we honor? Why do we, that's the first question I want us to consider. Who, you know, why, who, who do we honor? Not why, who do we honor? Who do we honor? The, the, the answer to that is really easy. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, honor your father and mother, right? So we've all heard this before. Well, maybe not all, I don't know. I don't wanna assume that you've heard this before, but I'm guessing that a great number of us have heard this before. And we're like, okay, this is not new information, right? Honor who? Honor father, honor mother, right? They're listed together. They work alongside of one another, hand in hand. Mom, dad are, are to be working together to love and lead the family. And the issue here is honor means to respect. Honor means to defer to them for the leadership. Honor means to submit to them. It means to have a love and appreciation and an affection for them. Honor is, is something that begins internally. It's something that you, that you just, you, you believe in internally. And then what happens is it manifests itself outwardly, externally in the way you speak about them and the way you behave toward them. And as you have honor in your heart, it comes out of your mouth. Doesn't Jesus say that? You know, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so think about this. If you speak negatively or harshly or critically about your parents, the issue is not just, it's not just that. The issue is more learning how to keep a rein. Uh, uh, you know, learning how, you know, it goes deeper, it goes deeper, it goes into our heart. It begins internally and it manifests itself, itself out externally. That's where honor begins, this honor of, of father and mother. And, it's, and it's, it's important to point out, I believe, that both are listed because that's, that's God's desire. The ideal family unit is a mother and a father, a mother and a father. And I know that to say that, it is very controversial in today's culture, but we, I believe in the scripture, and I believe that it's God's design, and I believe that it's God's intent, it's God's plan. Yes, there will be circumstances where that doesn't happen. There will be widows and widowers. There will be divorces. We live in a fallen and imperfect world. We do. But ideally, it doesn't change the fact that ideally a child would be raised in a home with a father and a mother who would not just be there for conception, but would be there for graduation and marriage and for all of life's moments. That is God's desire. It doesn't mean that he hates you if it doesn't happen that way for you. It just means that that is his desire and that's what he shares with us as his desire. You know, and, and, and so quite practically, you know, for children to honor their father and mother, it, 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 you know, one of the things that it says to you as children is don't, you know, you know don't, don't play favorites. I think if you just look at this and say, you know, who are we supposed to honor? It doesn't say one or the other. It says both, honor your father and mother. 
So why then? Why? Let's move to the why. Why do we honor father and mother? Well, here's what it says in the rest of that verse. It says in, in verse 12 at the, at, the, at the end of that, it says, that your days may be long in the land that, your Lord, that the Lord your God is giving you. So here they are. They've been slaves in Egypt. Remember where they, remember their past, the, the people of, 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 of uh, Israel. They've been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, and God has, has finally liberated them through the Exodus, and they've gotten out of Egypt, and they're journeying out. They're journeying, walking toward their homeland, and they're not there yet, and these are promises that God has, you know, God has set before them, promises that they've not yet experienced. And a lot of life is like that. I mean, you're walking right now and you're living your life in faith. And, and, and you know, you're just going to continue to walk, continue to love God, continue to serve him, continue to worship him, continue to honor him. And then he, you know, and just trust that he's going to bring you to that next season in life, whatever that might be for you, that next stage, that next place in life as he has promised, as he, you know, what he intends for you. You know, Paul says in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, you don't have to go there, he quotes the same commandment. He, co- he says, honor your father and mother, but then he adds this little line. He says, it's the first commandment with a promise. And the promise, as you go back, I mean, so, so honor your father and mother is the first part of that commandment, he says, but then there's a promise that comes with it. And that promise, if you go back to Exodus 20, 12, it says that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So who do we honor? We honor both mother and father. Why do we honor? Here's why. Just very simply, because it makes our life better. That's, that's, that's as practical as it can get. So the first commandment that we had is that there's only one God. The second commandment is that we're only to worship one God. But here we find out that we, if we live in a way toward our family that is worshipful and respectful in a very, so you know, this, this idea of worship, how does it live itself out in a daily manner? Well, this is, this is it right here. That if we, if we behave in a way toward our family that is worshipful and respectful toward God, that it actually benefits us. And I want you to see that, that when you always do what is to God's glory, it is always going to be for your good. See, every time you make a decision, don't think in these terms, well, what's going to be best for me? What's going to be best for us, for my family? What's going to be best for me? Because actually what happens is often when you make decisions like that, you'll end up doing things that really aren't best for you. And you don't really find out what's best for you. You think you might be living in your best, but you're not. But when you ask yourself this question, what will glorify God through me? How can I, what will, what will, what will obey God? What will honor God? And if in your decision-making you do, you seek to do what glorifies God, the byproduct is benefit that is good for you. You know, John Piper says it this way, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He kind of reverses that a little bit. And the fact is true that when we seek to, when we seek him first, Jesus said this, seek him, you know, seek first his kingdom and his glory. And all these other things will be added, uh, you know, will be given to us as well. That is, that is a principle that is lifelong. It is so true that, that when we seek to honor God, that it ends up being for our good. And so how many of you want, as, as the commandment says, a longer life? How many of you want to have a better life? How many of you want your children to live longer and have a better life? How many of you want your grandchildren to have a long life and a better life? This is, I mean, it's like the book of Proverbs says. Now understand this. 
you know, be careful here because it's not a dot to dot. If you do this, then you'll get this, right? We know that that's not how, how it's not a guarantees list, right? But it's proverbial wisdom. It's general, overarching, proverbial wisdom that those people who abide by these principles will tend to have certain life, a way of living that puts themselves in a position for things to go in a certain direction a godly direction, a God-honoring direction, and a long life in the land that is promised to you. And so I want to ask another question. How do we, and this is the question that is probably the big one, how do you honor dishonorable fathers? How do we honor dishonorable mothers, fathers and mothers? You know, I I know that, that, that for some of you probably that when we began this, and in fact, if you're, still, if you're still watching, some people probably just turned it off, but this is your objection. As soon as I said honor, you immediately pulled the emergency brake and said, you know, in your soul, you're like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not going in that direction. And immediately what happens is, is, is when you're told to honor someone who has hurt you, that takes over. And it overtakes the, the idea of honor. Our first thought is, nope, 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 you don't, you don't know my mom. You don't know my dad. You, 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 you've not been there. You can't say that, Chris. You don't know what they've said to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they failed to do. You don't know what they still do. Or, or they're, they're, they're dead. How can I do that? You don't understand, Chris. You just don't understand. And all of a sudden, I know the hurt wells up. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be hurt. I understand. You should, you should be. You should feel that. If, in fact, that, that, is, that is what's happened with you. I'm not saying any of that at all. Maybe what they have done to you or failed in your life hurts you, but it also really hurts the heart of God as well, the Father heart of God. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be hurt, but the Bible doesn't have exception clauses for dishonorable parents. So how do we do it then? How do we answer this then? How do, you, how, do you, how do you honor dishonorable parents? Well, I'm going to give you a few suggestions, and I pray that you, take, that, you, that you hear them and that you really pause to consider them if this is you, all right? Here's the first one. Give grace. You know, I think, I think for some of us who 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 uh, maybe feel this way maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a major thing that has occurred but maybe our expectations are just unreasonable <laughs> you know maybe we maybe some of us are just too idealistic right i mean like what i mean by that is like even if jesus were your father you'd still like oh, i don't like his beard right i mean you you you, you find something we we always find something in someone else that 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 they've done you know there there are there are times when we we have to pause and ask ourselves am i really do I have too high of expectations? Because the reality is, you know, we have higher expectations for other people than we want to live by sometimes. And I'll tell you, the Bible tells us that it's a glory to overlook an offense. Think about that for a second. Let that marinate for a minute. It's, it's a glory to overlook an offense. Man, we, we need to learn that today. You know, some of us, I think, just need to realize I might be expecting far too much than I ever expect for myself. And sometimes you got to just extend a little grace and say, you know what? My, I know my parents are fallen sinners. It's not always going to be awesome. Christ gives grace, so I'm will too. 
That's the first thing. A second thing that I, a second thing I might suggest is this: give forgiveness. It's okay to forgive. And you know, the reason why we give forgiveness, listen, it, a, a big reason why, is to guard your own heart from bitterness. Look, if you don't forgive other people, if you don't forgive your parents, you're going to become like them. Let, let me explain to you what I mean by that. You know, there's a root of sin in their life if they've sinned against you. They sin against you, and it's like you're infected now, Right? And, and it's not something that you've chosen. It's not something that you wanted, but you are because it was, in, it was imputed to you by them. How do you cleanse yourself from this root of bitterness, from that infection? By forgiveness. That is the only way to cleanse yourself from that. If you don't forgive, then that sin that lived in them is now living in you as a, as a byproduct. It's been transmitted to you through bitterness. And if you ever see, I mean, look, if, if you ever see somebody that just, that just hates their parents, you know what happens many times? They grow up to become just like them. They, they, they become like them because they never forgave them. You know, I, 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 a lot of times when we fixate on things, we, we struggle with this idea, of we, it creates bitterness. For example, and I, maybe maybe this might be a silly example, but like, remember when you were learning to drive, and the, you you were out on the highway. Let's say the first time you ever went out on a highway, like a four lane highway, and there's a semi semi truck, like a big tractor trailer, and and you want to pass it, right? But let's say you're on like Interstate 77, and it's kind of narrow and it's really curvy, and you want to pass this semi trailer, and as you're going around it, you really want to make sure that you don't hit it that you don't run into it. And so what do you do? You look at it and, that, and you can't do that because you wanna, you're wanting to look to make sure you don't hit it. But the more you look at it, the more you fixate on it, the more you veer into it and you're gonna eventually hit it. It's gonna be destructive for you. You know, that's, that's what happens. Fixating on things doesn't make things better. It actually will cause us to crash and burn. So forgiveness is saying what? You know what? What you did was wrong. And either justice came at the cross when Jesus died for it, or justice is going to come at the end of, of the world when you stand before Jesus and give an account to him for it. But you know what? Between you and me, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to leave it to Jesus. And I'm going to leave it to Jesus so that I can move on with my life and stop looking at you. And, and, you know, not that necessarily you ignore them, not that you hate them, certainly not that you despise them, but they just don't become the guiding, controlling center of your life. Look, people, you allow people to control your life through unforgiveness, through bitterness, that bitterness and hurt that you've received, perhaps from a mother or a father. It's not something that, you know, that when you forgive, it's no longer there. It's, it's, it's not in front of your proverbial vehicle, you know, that you're not constantly fixating on, that you're veering toward. It's just, you just go right by it. Not a big deal. Look, forgiveness is an incredible thing. It's an incredible weapon. And, uh, and when some of us need to learn how to use it. You know, the third thing I'll say is just simply this, give honor. Let's talk about honor for a second. I know it says to honor your father and mother, so it seems like we should honor them, right? I mean, that's, 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 what that, that's what it says. And one of the ways that we honor them is by honoring them. <laughs> Sometimes this means, you know, I guess what, when I think about honor, I would say it like this, that 
if you can't say something nice, then you don't you don't need to say anything at all. That's one way that you can honor. I mean, if there you might some of you are like, there just isn't anything nice I can say about them. You know what? Don't say anything at all. If I can't say anything good, then maybe certain things just shouldn't be said, you know, or at least publicly, right? Maybe if you're if you're with your spouse and you privately need to work through things, right? You're telling them your story, or maybe you share things with your kids because you're wanting them, you know, to you're warning them maybe about family history and you don't want to go down and make the same mistakes, you know, and, and that's okay. That's okay. So, like I guess even if you have a dishonorable father. If by the grace of God, you become a better person, you become a better husband, or you become a better father, or a better wife, or a better mother, you know what you've done? You've honored them by doing that. You, you, that's one way of honoring them. You know? You know, one of the ways, you know, I, I, one of the ways that we honor is, you know, it, it, I know it's hard for you sometimes to think about honoring that person specifically when they've been really dishonorable to you. But one of the things I think God wants to show us here is that fatherhood and motherhood is a position of honor. You know, the military has a term that they say, you know, salute the uniform, right? Uh, and, and what that means is that, that you know, there is, there is a, a position that, that a, certain, a certain individual has been given based on their rank and and you when you see that when you see that uniform you may not know who that person is you may never have met that person before you may never have served under that person before but by very nature that they're in that uniform means that it's a position of honor and so in the military they will salute the uniform whether they whether they've served under that person or not you know like you know like you see a lieutenant right i see that's a lieutenant i respect the uniform i honor the uniform because many people you know many people wear that uniform and here's the thing some people are not honorable who wear it we, you know, but the thing is, if you don't honor, if you don't honor it, you're actually going to dishonor all of those who wear it honorably. And, you know, so I guess here's the point. You know, you may, you may want to dishonor your mother and father because of the way they treated you. Well, you know what? One day you're going to become a mother and father or father, I guess. Right. How, how do you want that to be extended down to your children? Is, is it motherhood and fatherhood that we want to dishonor? You know, even if it's hard for you to honor your father and your mother, you can honor motherhood and you can honor fatherhood and you can salute the proverbial uniform of father and mother, the rank, I guess, or the office of mother and father. And I, I, I'll give you one or two more here. Number four, give an example. And, and I, this one kind of, the last one, you know, by giving honor, I think segues into this one. So if you're a person who does not honor your mother or father, you know, I mentioned you may become a mother or father someday, right? You know what's going to happen if you do not act of act if you do not honor if you don't figure out ways to honor your mother and father, you're going to raise children who don't honor you. You understand that? You know, the Bible talks a lot about this principle. It's a very simple principle. You reap what you sow, right? Whatever you whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So if you if you reap, you know, if you if you sow dishonor with your children, then you're going to reap dishonor from your children. Hopefully that makes sense because it does happen. You know, as a, I think of it this way, you know, as a coach, I want my players to respect and honor the game and I want them to respect and honor the officials of the game. Whether the official's any good or not, it's just what I, they, they need to understand that. They need to understand that they're, that they're going to make mistakes as well. But I don't want them to focus on the mistakes of the officials. And I tell them this all the time. It's something that I, that I, that I preach to them all the time. But listen, if I tell them that, 
And then I stand in the dugout and I complain and I badmouth the officials the entire game, then what am I actually doing? What kind of example? What am I actually teaching them? Well, here's what I'm doing. I'm teaching them more by what I'm doing. They're always going to follow my example more than they're going to follow my words. So let's say that you're always talking negatively about your parents, your mom or your dad. And you're, you're venting maybe. You're leaking, right? Right? In worst, you know, worst case scenario, what's happened? You've, you've turned maybe one of your younger children into your best friend and and they're your right they're, they're become your lightning rod for all of your bitterness right and so you just you, you dump all of your life onto them in a negative way and these kids grow up hearing you do that they hear you they hear you doing that what's happening you're setting them an example for how they are going to treat you you're basically saying hey look here's how we do it here's how we treat our moms and our dads we dishonor our mother we dishonor our father and you're actually discipling your own kids to dishonor you by modeling for them what dishonor looks like. So set an example. Give an example. I'll give one more, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Give thanks. There's no better way to turn your disappointment, your frustration, your discouragement around, to turn it into joy, than to give, to give thanks, to be grateful. And if there's anything that you, you know, like anything at all, anything that you can thank God for at all, think about it and thank, thank your parents for it. Thank them. You know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, you're like, oh, my parents, you know, it's hard for me to be a good Christian because I didn't know what a Christian looked like. My parents were bad Christians. You know, maybe they were at least, maybe they were at least Christians, right? Maybe they at least took you to church, right? Call them up and tell them that. Write them a letter. You know, hey, I just want to say thank you, right? It really dawned on me that that you know having you know having parents who felt like church was a was a was a uh, priority was a real blessing and a gift. Even if it, even if they didn't do it right, thank them. You choose to thank them. You choose to be grateful, right? If your dad worked hard to provide, if your mom worked hard to provide for you, if they cared for you, maybe they weren't emotionally supportive, maybe they weren't spiritually present, but maybe they maybe they did provide you with something. You know what? Whatever it is, just give thanks. It's an amazing thing when we choose to do that. You are choosing to be strong in doing that. You are not choosing to be weak. You are choosing to be strong. Sometimes the way we help move our parents toward being more honorable is by honoring them in the ways that, they've, that they have actually already been honorable. There are some ways perhaps, right? If there's an, if, if, you know, it's an encouragement to them and they want to maybe do better when they hear that kind of thing. So you're opening the door for more honor. It's saying, look, I don't honor everything that you've done, but there are a few things that I can be grateful for. And instead of fixating on the things that, that, I, that, I, that I bitter about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fixate on things that I can be grateful for about. And you can be thankful for that. And listen, I'm going to tell you this. I, I will say this. If there's absolutely nothing that you can be thankful for uh, regarding your parents, you can be thankful that God is a father. You know, the Bible says that God is our father. And so if nothing else... You can be thankful that if your earthly father, your earthly mother has failed you in everything, you have a heavenly father who doesn't, and therefore you do not have to fixate on all of those negative things because God truly is a perfect father. And that's really where I want to close. It's where I, it's where I always want to close, and that is with, you know, looking at Jesus. It's where we should always close our time together. You know, when I think about this, this command and I think about how it lived itself out with Jesus, I think about how Jesus 
you know, said, you know, we talk all the time about how God became a man, right? You know, we always say God became a man, and that's you know, true or false. Yeah, that's true. God became a man. But but first, you know, what what how did God become a man? Right? Before he was a man, he was a really little man. <laughs> he was a baby. We call it, you know, we call, it was, you know, it was, he was, before he was Jesus, he was baby Jesus, right? He was, he, before that, he was in his mother's womb, right? How many of you ever, have ever considered that? You know, like at Christmas time, we think about it a lot, but I mean, has it ever really shocked you to think that God would come to this, this earth that he created as a baby? Like, he didn't have to do that, right? I mean, like how many of you, if you were God, would you have maybe said, well, you know, I think I'll start in my 30s or 40s because that'll just be a lot easier. I won't have to go through all those. I'm certainly not going to start anywhere, you know, approaching junior high age, right? We would, we, we, why would you want to go through all of that? But here's the thing. It was very intentional, I believe. God didn't just become a man. He became a child. He, he, he was a baby. He was an unborn baby and then a born baby. And so here's the deal. Jesus isn't just for grown people. Jesus is for all people. So whether you're, a, whether you're a child, whether you're an adolescent, whether you're an adult, whatever stage of life that you're in, you can look at Jesus and say, you know what? He's been there. Like literally every stage that you've ever gone through as a child, Jesus had to honor his father and mother. I mean, think about that, right? And, and unlike us, as a child, you know, when we were children, we sinned. But as a child, Jesus never sinned, right? And he had sinful parents. We have, we, we, we have sinful parents, and we've sinned. Jesus had sinful parents, and he was sinless. Imagine that. We're like, well, you know, it's hard enough for, for all of us to live with sinful parents when we're sinful. Jesus had to live with sinful parents, and he was sinless. He was perfect, Right? Here's what, you know, it, it, you know, it, it explains this. You know, I, I want to close with this verse. Did you, we, did you get those Luke verses in? In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it tells us about how Jesus grew. It tells us a little bit about his childhood. We don't see a lot about it in the Bible, but we see a little bit. And it said the child, Jesus, grew, right? So he went through all the stages of life and development. It says he became strong. So he becomes healthy and vibrant. And it says he was filled with wisdom. And then as you read the Gospel of Luke, you see a lot of language in, in Luke about how the Holy Spirit is working in and through Jesus, right? So God becomes a person, and he's walking earth as a human being like one of us, but how was he able to resist sin? How was he able to submit to his parents? How did he honor his father and mother? How was he able to forgive them when they wronged him? Here's how by the indwelling presence and the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. This is where to be a good child of God and parent and to honor our heavenly father and our earthly parents, it's going to have to take a nature like the nature that Jesus had. It's hard, it, listen, it's, hard, it's impossible to do this without, without it, without what? Without being filled with the same power of Jesus, to follow in the example of Jesus who died for our sin, even though he had no sin. He lived this perfect life as an obedient child. And he said, as he was on the cross, Father, into your hands, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Father, not my will, but your will be done. So you see, Jesus is the perfect, sinless, spirit-filled child, and he gives us 
the perfect example. He dies for our sin and he gives us a new nature and you now can have that same spirit in you to be able to do and respond to your parents in the same way that Jesus did his. You know, all of this was happening in, in you know, Luke chapter two at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry where it talks about him being filled in wisdom, you know, filled with wisdom. You know, there, so there's the Holy Spirit. And it says, and the favor of God was upon him. So go to uh, verses 50 there, I think so. So listen, I, it's possible then for little children and young children to know the Lord. You know, it, we see that. Jesus gives us that name to be filled with the Spirit, to honor their father and mother, right? So, so here it is. You know, Jesus grows up and he has the Spirit of God with him. And he's, he's you know, he's, he's, honoring his father and mother and he's 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 got God's spirit to help him with this and all of a sudden you know you got teenage Jesus he goes through all the stages of life that we have and we see this little instance when Jesus is a teenager and he's he's like a seminary professor and he's trying to teach his parents right and they're like we don't understand what you're saying you know let's go home Jesus you got to cut the grass right and Jesus is like, cut the grass. I'm the Messiah, right? I'm teaching at the seminary. And his parents are like, well, but we've got a chore chart. And your brother James does the dishes and you cut the grass, right? So it's time to go home and cut the grass. And Jesus would be like, I don't cut the grass. I got to atone for the sins of the world. And they're like, well, you can do, you can do that after you cut the grass, but you're going to cut the grass, right? Their parents didn't understand him, right? There was a moment there where his parents didn't understand him. But you know what he did? He still submitted to them. Your parents don't need to understand. You don't, they don't need to understand you for you to obey your parents, for you to honor your parents. Jesus' parents didn't understand him, and and it says when he went down, he went down with them. This is the point that I want to get to. He went down with them to Nazareth and was, uh, and was what's it? Yeah, yeah. So everybody that's a teenager out there, say what that word says. He went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was what? Because the junior high kids, if you're watching with your parents, say the word. What's the word? Yeah. What, what would they say on Twitter? Say it louder for those in the back. Right? And all your parents want to hear you say it. Submissive. Right? Because all the parents are going, yes, that's a good word. That's a good word, right? That's a good word. He was submissive to them. And it says his mother treasured all these things in her heart. See, Jesus was a blessing to his mom and his dad, his earthly dad who adopted him into this family. You know, he, 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 was, he, was, he was a blessing to them, right? How you, how, how your children, you know, how your, you, know, you, you children, your mom and your dad want you to be a blessing. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, it says, and in favor with God and man. And look, I, I want you to have that. I want you to have that for yourself. And I want to ask you, do you want that? Do you want that for your children? You know, and if you're like, yeah, that's really what I want. I want to grow in wisdom. I want to grow in strength. I want to grow in health and vitality and favor with God and people. And it's like, you know, this, basically the way Jesus grew, I, that's what I want. Well, here, here's what it takes. Two things. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Embrace and accept Jesus really for real into your heart and be filled with his spirit because it's the only way you're going to be able to honor dishonorable parents. And it says that you do that so that it may go well with you because God did it. God did it. He gave you the example for how to do that. And so really what we're going to do right now is we're just going to respond. And, and it's what we always do. We like to respond after um, we talk about the word of God, after, after his word has been preached. And, 
as we respond, we believe that, that you know, God is a father who speaks. And we believe that God as a father has spoken to us here today. And, and when he speaks to his children, his children respond. And that's, that's the way that relationship works. And so in our, in our normal church services, when we're together, normally this is a time where we'll sing another song. We'll take communion. We'll bring offerings. And if, uh, if you have, um, you know, communion prepared at your house, then this would be a good time wherever you are um, to, to do that. And the song that we're going to sing is, is not a slow one. So we don't always sing a slow song. During, it's going to be a pretty upbeat and, and fun song to sing. Um, but, you know, there's no rule that says you have to have a slow, sad song for communion. And so uh, so let that be um, what happens. And I, and I, and when we're done with this song, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of other things. I'll share a couple of things with you before we pray and conclude. But uh, I want to pray right now, and then we're just going to sing this song together. And I, I pray that, that today that, that you will be a blessing um, to, to either your father or someone who's been a father to you and that you will, that you will understand better how you can honor that relationship and, um, and that uh, God will re- just continue to deal with you in that. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have um, chosen to adopt us into your family and that we know Lord, how you desire for us to, uh, to live as your children because you have given it to us very plainly in your word. You've given us the example not only by telling us what you want us to do, but by coming to this earth that you created and living it out so that we can see it, so that we can learn about it, so we can see your example and know that you, it's an incredible thing to consider the fact that you actually chose to come as a young child, as a young baby, to be born so that you could go through all the same stages. You know, the, the, the word of God says in Hebrews that, that, you know, we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with us, but one that has been tempted in every single way that we have been, one who has experienced all the things that we experience, all of the stages of life, all of the disappointments, all of the frustrations, all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the reasons to be offended. And yet you were not offended. You did not choose to be offended. You chose to give grace. You choose forgiveness every single day. God, we thank you so much for that example. And we pray that we will be a people who will live that same way so that we might be able to change the world around us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.